Hello everyone and welcome to another interview here on the Cycling Dane Extra channel and the Cycling Dane podcast. Today's guest is the first New Zealand World Tour Pro to be interviewed here on the channel and it is none other than Michael Vink. Michael has an untraditional way into the World Tour racing, being picked up by the super team UAE Team Emirates after some incredible performances on the virtual training platform MyWoosh. However, Vink is not just any rider, as he has plenty of successes to his name prior to this unusual discovery. Vink already won the national road race title in New Zealand in 2012, aged just 21, and he has also been the national time trial champion as well as winning the New Zealand Classic back in 2014. So without further ado, here is the interview with Michael Vink, and yes, he is a bit taller than he looks in the picture. Good morning, Michael, and uh, thank you for joining. And uh, first of all, where, we are, where are you right now? Yeah, good morning. I'm uh, currently in uh, very hot uh, Spain. So yeah, in Girona, nice wee, uh, little, little base for, uh, for cyclists. How's, how's the season been going? Because this is technically your new pro season because it's your first year on the World Tour with your AT Emirates. So how has it kind of been going? You've, you've been on a few world tour races as well yeah it's been definitely a bit of a i think a learning experience for both me and the team i think in a good way it's the first time the team has uh signed a guy based well partly based on the on a, on a virtual training platform so um it's been a bit of a case of uh let's both sort of sort of see how it works and so far it's been so good so it's uh yeah been a been a busy season there's been lots of races for me and and probably more and more races and more than Probably either of us were expecting and, and more big races. So that's definitely a good sign, but it makes for a pretty long season. Have you felt the step up? I mean, we'll go into your past or uh, your past of your career. It's not exactly like you're a newbie to the sport as well. But yeah, how's it kind of been going from Conti level to up to World Tour being a full-time pro? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing with World Tour racing is just the consistency of it. And the fact that you have to race so often and the racing is so hard. And I think with that, you're almost never racing at 100%. You're always racing at that sort of 80 or 90. You've got a bit of fatigue from the last race or, you know, there's you know been a long season or there's different goals or, or something like that. So I think the big thing people underestimate is the need to perform consistently even when you're not at 100%. But even on your maybe not so great days or your sort of off days or when you're not you know you haven't had the preparation you ideally want you still have to be able to do a job and I think that's where the the really classic bike riders I think can show themselves like it, it's easy to perform well and feel, feel good on your best day and you know you can say oh you know blah blah I could have done this this and this it's like yeah but We'll half a season in the legs and then see how you go. The reason that you got this opportunity with your easy memories was because of my whoosh. And yeah, how did that kind of happen? Your fellow, what would I say, Oceanian uh, colleague, Jay Vine, did the same thing with Swift. But how did it happen for you with my whoosh? Yeah, something I sort of started doing through uh, through COVID, uh, really. It was, um, yeah, obviously with COVID, there was, was a lot less racing around and I sort of looked to, to other areas to to try and sort of stay fit and keep that sort of race race rhythm, that race feeling in the legs. And and yeah, my wish was it. So I did that sort of for a couple of years and ended up being sort of quite successful, won a few races. And yeah, um, I got a phone call from Mauro Gini, the uh, general manager of UAE Team Emirates, just saying, hey, you know, can you uh, do your time, time for a chat? Uh, you know, sometimes. So that was a bit of a pinch me moment, a bit surreal. But um, yeah, and then here we are. 
I mean, yeah, that that isn't the kind of person that you're expecting to get a phone call. What what did you kind of think that call was about? Beforehand? Yeah, I, I sort of I sort of refused to believe it was anything to do with a pro contract. I sort of thought maybe it was to do with a, a whoosh promotion thing with the team. Maybe they wanted me to do a you know a live event or something with the team or or race one of the guys on the platform or something. And yeah, so I sort of. Didn't didn't read too much into it. Just sort of kept doing my thing, and yeah. And then he called me and said, you know, we're interested in you know what you've been doing with my wish, and we'd we'd like to do some testing. And I said, so okay, that's that's fine. What sort of testing would you like to do? And he sort of sent the protocol through, and I engaged the local sports scientist, and we did the testing and sent it off. And yeah, within the next sort of week or so, he gave me a call and said, yeah, if you want to for a contract. How were you using my wish? I, I assume you're still using it, but like, what kind of sessions are you doing? Yeah, just um, it would be interesting to know because then, like mere mortals, know exactly what pro cyclists actually use these kind of platforms for. Yeah, mostly for me, it's mostly just just the racing that I do. Um, certainly when it's it's bad weather outside, or um, you know, you can't ride outside for whatever reason, maybe in a busy city or something like that. Then for sure, it's really helpful. Just I think the stimulation of having a screen in front of you and an actual road and a bike and something to look at definitely helps. I think most people underestimate that, and particularly in races too. If you're sort of doing an effort by yourself, whether it's a 10-minute effort, you might do X amount of watts. But if you're doing a 10-minute effort trying to hold someone's wheel on a screen, you can do X amount of watts plus plus 10. You know, and I think people underestimate the, the psychological effect that that racing environment or that race mode has on, on what you can produce. I'm very fortunate to live in, in Spain uh, here where it's good weather pretty much every day and, and beautiful training roads. It's always easy to find the right climbs for intervals or whatever you need. So I'm lucky that I don't have to use it as much now. I've definitely used it a lot more when I was back in New Zealand when the, the weather was not as good and, and through winter. But yeah, it's, it's good also being able to, uh, to sort of tailor a workout like the testing I did with UAE. Um, one of the head of performances, and he goes some alone, sent through the, the the testing protocol, and I literally loaded it into my whoosh. Um, so I had the screen going, and it, it it did the whole workout for me. So it was nice to be able to, to to do that testing protocol while actually having something on the screen, as if it was a my whoosh race. And I think I definitely probably pushed a bit more, um, being in that environment as opposed to just being by myself on the erg with, with no screen, just listening to music. So. Yeah, I think that was um that was really cool being able to do that. So you're Michael Vink, you've had the phone call, you've been told you have this pro contract. What what kind of happened next? I mean, you're not just joining any team, you're joining the team with Tadu Gacha, Juan Ayuso, all these big stars. So yeah. Yeah, it all it all sort of happened so quick. So I probably first got the call, I'd say early October. Um, I would say, and then yeah, I think October, Novemberish, late October, early November, I was at the the team camp. It was probably actually like late October, so that also happened within a few weeks, um, which was sort of such a whirlwind. You know, particularly from where I'd come from, I hadn't really done too much UCI race or any UCI racing really on the road in the last two years before that. So it was kind. Of of a funny moment that you know it's probably the year I was least expecting to get a pro contract, but things just seemed to fall into place. It's sort of been seasons before I'd won some some good races or had some good performances as you know a 25 year old, and 
whatever reason things didn't work out, but this was sort of right place, right time, I'm in front of the right people, and and yeah, the rest is history. I have like a a bone to pick with most of the media, and we'll get onto this yeah. because. Most of the stories about you is you're this nobody who's risen into a world tour contract. That is not the case. You've been a national road champion, time trial champion, winning the New Zealand Classic as well. That's a race that just it kind of just pops up on pro cycling stats and you see it because there's no other racing in that time. So, yep. yeah, my question here is how did you kind of get into cycling in New Zealand? Obviously, there's plenty of pros that have come from New Zealand, but New Zealand is kind of very much a rugby country, if I understand correctly, with the All Blacks. So, yeah, how was kind of your path into cycling? You just, um, it probably originally started um, through mountain biking. Um, New Zealand's obviously a great place to grow up. We've got plenty of mountains and trails and everyone's close to, to the outdoors. So, definitely a lot of mountain biking as a kid. And then a winter sport was compulsory uh, through school. And I sort of thought, I like mountain biking, let's try road cycling. And I didn't really like it too much at first, but I ended up sort of being quite good. Um, and then, yeah, things sort of grew from there. And I won the sort of a local schools championship type thing. And then I want to say signed with a team, but but rode with a, a small local team and, and did some of the bigger races. And then, Basically, as soon as I left school, I was um, going off to Europe to, to see what I could do on the, on the bigger stage. So, yeah, that's really my path. There's no sort of family history in cycling or anything like that, or nothing was ever really sort of pushed or forced. It was just sort of this natural thing that I just sort of stumbled across and ended up being sort of, yeah, quite good at it and j- just took to it and, and, yeah. You've been to the World Championships as well quite early in your career and then you went yeah. to the Lib- Trek Livestrong team, which is, that that's why I'm like, yeah, he's not a nobody. It, Trek Livestrong don't sign nobodies. That's kind of one of the best under 23 development teams. So how was that experience for you as well? Yeah, that was, that was interesting. That was probably my first experience as part of the, a big sort of protein with the mechanics trucks and, you know, all, all that sort of stuff and the multiple bikes and, and all that. So that was definitely an interesting interesting year. Um, we had some sort of issues with racing with the, the UCI because it was the year they sort of implemented the rule that you can't have two teams run by the same management company in the same race. And we were the feeder team for the Radio Shack team. So normally we'd do the Tour of Utah, Tour of Colorado, USA Pro Challenge and, and these big races. But because of that, lots of the the racing was sort of put on the back burner. And I think, yeah, I sort of only ended up with, yeah, so 12 race days for the season. Um, and it was like most of the guys in the team. It was sort of a bit of a, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say a disaster, but a bit of a an unexpected sort of hiccup along the way. And again, it's sort of, I guess, the story of the last yeah, 10 years of my career. There's always been these small things sort of, sort of, got in the way or um something that, that's happened and which is which is actually kind of hard to say because I'm the sort of person that chooses not to believe in luck as such. I always like to say that whether it's true or not, I like to say that I make my own luck. So trying to sort of put my finger on why things haven't worked out and, and haven't happened it had been quite tough. So have them finally sort of come together now. I think it's sort of yeah it's payback for all uh, the years of hard work, the last 10 years of Sort of racing at Conti level and and for no rewards, so I think yeah, it's sort of the just desserts now. Your Palmaris uh, on the Conti scene is 
remarkable with, as we said, National Road Champion winning so many different races that, like, like the New Zealand Classic, the Tour of Southland as well. I mean, I, I guess the New Zealand teams, you kind of have this very Asian focused calendar. So if you look at your pro cycling stats, you've basically been everywhere in Asia. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really happy for you that it's not just, it's not just like a lower, lower world tour level team that you've got is the big, the big dogs is UAE team Emirates. But yeah. So how, how was it kind of the, um, yeah. How, how is it being a Conti pro, a New Zealand, New Zealand Conti pro team or like the budget forklift? Uh, how is it like traveling to all these different places? What's the life like? Are you staying in nice hotels or is it very stressful? going all over the place yeah i mean it, it's it's nice in the fact that all we have to do now is really focus on on racing our bikes um everything's taken care of you know we have chefs we have mechanics we have you know swan years through the washing everything's sort of sort of taken care of for us so it's definitely a case of trying to eke out that last few percent performance wise and there's a lot of investment that goes into finding that last sort of two three percent um, which is kind of what, what we're about and what what is about the world world tour level now. It's, it's so competitive and, and the top is so tight that if you're not looking for those one or two percenters that you get left behind pretty quick. So I think the the racing is at a super, super high level now. Um the racing's hard, there's no easy races anymore. It's it's stressful, you see so many more crashes. Um it's just a real, real fight at the top now. So it's it's cool to be a part of the sport in, in this moment. Um, it's also hugely motivating to know that you know there's there's big opportunities out there, um, and that and that yeah the racing is um is as good as it's ever been. So yeah, this year with your YouTube Emirates is kind of a I don't know a huge surprise for you as you've said as well. So have you kind of thought of like what kind of thing or goals you wanna achieve this season, or is that kind of is everything just a bonus for this year? I think, yeah, it's, it's a one-year contract at this stage. So I think the, the key thing with this racing is just finding a place, um, whatever that is, finding a job and then focusing on that. I think too many guys try and do too many different things. You know, they maybe try and get a lead to one race and try and help one another race and maybe try and go for a top 20 or a top 10 and whatever. But I think these days it's 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 all about, you know, it's about winning and and, and getting those points. So you've either got to be able to be a guy that can win or a guy that can help someone win. So me, it's just been focusing on being that guy that can that can help and add value to the team. Um, which I think is has yeah, it's been it's been going good so far. I think that's sort of the role I naturally um fit into, which is which is perfect for me with this team because we've got so many, so many good leaders. Um the team needs the the sort of helpers with the domestiques. So as far as my qualities and my qualities go, I think it's a perfect match. You you partook in the uh, the Ardennes Classics, which is some of my favorite racing, and you guys did particularly well. But you also had that unfortunate incident with uh, Tag Bagatia in the Edge Bust on the Edge. So how how was those that that week for you essentially? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So I I did flesh alone, which obviously KD won, and that was really good. I was the guy that was sort of the first to ride and control the race, um, which the team were really happy with. And then I wasn't actually down originally for Liège, but one of the guys got sick a couple of days before, so I actually flew back from um, 
from from flesh and then got the phone call i think basically as i got back to girona saying we've got a guy get sick can you come back to belgium and i i couldn't really say no so um yeah it was nice at that moment also to know that of all the guys that were available for a for a monument with that day they, they called me and asked me to 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 go um so that that was that was quite cool and then again it was the same thing as as flesh you know i was the first guy to ride which was all going fine. We're sort of 100k in and then sort of get a message on the radio because when you're riding, you don't really see anything. You know, there's 150 guys behind you, but if you're riding with two, which we were, you're kind of in your own wee world and you kind of almost forget there's a race going on behind you. So we'd sort of been sort of chugging away for 100k and then, yeah, the message comes on the radio that today crashed and you're sort of, yeah, it's uh, one of those things that we sort of in that racing environment and often the radios aren't very good they're a bit cracking when you don't hear things so good and you hear this message comes through and you think oh you know it sounded like they said this you know it sounded like they said today crash or we're not it's like can, can you confirm can you confirm can you confirm today's out type thing on the radio and they said yeah he's done so it was a hard moment for us to reset as a team um particularly when you've got a guy like today because when you have someone like that you have to put the whole team behind him so like me i've already ridden for a hundred odd k in the front, you know, so to then try and sort of do a, a result or something is, is pretty much impossible. So, yeah, and then the other guys were sort of, I think, yeah, not struggling with the news as well as much as sort of a, the, the change in, I guess, mentality with the race. So it was a bit of a, a general disaster for us just, just trying to reset after that. It was a, yeah, a blow that was pretty hard to come back from. And also just in the back of our minds, we all knew that the tour wasn't that far away. And that obviously, you know, today's a big part of this team and there's that worry too. So it was a tough day for everyone, but it's nice that, that today's sort of got back now and he's back at the, going to be back at the tour and he's, um yeah, I think mostly mostly healed. How is it being a teammate on Tarn Regatta? It's, it's, it's good. We actually have a, a team, well, it's called a training camp, but it's more of a get-together in October where we just go to um, Abu Dhabi and... Yeah, just do team activities, ride roller coasters, race quad bikes, and <laughs> basically everything but ride bikes. And literally the whole team's there, all the riders, most of the staff. And it's just a sort of admin camp, you know, get measured for clothing and um, a few other things. And, and yeah, the riders sort of get together and have some, some small parties and things and, and yeah, good food and, and just sort of get to know each other. And it's, I think it's probably the best, best way to, to have that, that team bonding is with no pressure, no bikes, just everyone together for a week and just say, you know, you guys can, can do what you want. Um, these activities for the week and, and yeah, so it's, it's cool to sort of get to know everyone in that environment, including Tade, but, um, yeah, Tade's is a guy that if you didn't know who he was, you'd assume he was just, just some kid, you know, like just completely normal guy, which is, which is so, so cool. I mean, I think oftentimes the, the best guys are like that because they're so relaxed. Um, because I think when you're that good, there's nothing to prove. There's, you know, the biggest pressure you have is on yourself. There's no external pressure or anything like that. So, yeah, in my experience, the best guys are the ones that are the easiest to, to be around because they're so relaxed because they're, they've got nothing to prove. Um, I mean, you've done various amounts of racing this year, and uh, how how would you kind of, if you're going to put yourself in a box, what would you kind of put yourself as? Because I kind of thought you were a bit all round because you, yeah, 
you've you've won the road race, you won the time trial, you've won here, there, and everywhere kind of thing. And uh, I mean, pro cycling stats is trying to shift you or shove you in the time trial box. But uh, yeah. where where would you think your key assets kind of lie as a rider? I'm definitely a guy that can that that's a helper for sure. Like first and foremost, I'm not a guy that's gonna gonna win races. I might never win any races in my career, which which is totally fine. But I think definitely a guy that can that can help in most situations, medium mountains type thing. Um, when I first started with this team, I was often the first guy to ride in the line, and now sort of. In the last sort of two or three races, I've been sort of yeah third or fourth to last, so sort of mid to later in in the in the line, which is which is really nice knowing that you know you're not always the first guy because generally the guy that's first to ride is the guy that's you know maybe doesn't quite have form or the guy that's been sick or or problems. So not only to be you know the second guy to ride now, but to be the fourth or fifth. Is um is quite cool, particularly in a team like this where we have so many strong riders to actually be sort of higher in the picking order in these races is is super cool. So um definitely I think for me the races that are not mountainous, although I haven't really done too many of those yet. Um but but hilly hard I think are the races I can do a lot of I think a lot of work in and I think that that raw power that I get from the my wish racing. It's super helpful with positioning, whether it's in the bottom of a climb or coming into a sprint. Just being able to have that 30 seconds of of um be a really high speed, high power to get someone in the front out of trouble. Um, I think the guys or the leaders really like that about me that I can I can sort of get them out of sticky situations and um and yeah have that 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 power later in the race. That sounds like Arden's classics <laughs> completely. I mean, let yeah. alone Murukui is a uh... It's a very nice climb, and uh, yeah, is that is that the kind of climbs that you like? The kind of short-ish, uh, sharp-ish. Yeah, for, for me, those ones are probably a bit too steep because I'm still sort of seventy-three kilos or something like that. Um, so when you got guys like and one meter ninety, apparently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, I'm, I'm um, very short, so. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's probably. Yeah, anything over sort of, I suppose, eight percent is probably getting a bit much for for the ideal for me. But definitely, I'm a those standard climbs, those six to eight percent type things for yeah twenty odd minutes is is perfect. Um, but again, yeah, I think the big thing for me is the positioning and the, the helping the guys and getting them into the the right space. Um, in the last ten k, I think is is sort of where my um where my strengths are. Um, I'm never going to be the probably the you know the last guy or the second to last guy. There's there's so many great you know riders in this team that I think it's unrealistic to to you know to think that you know you could get a result for yourself at, at this stage of my career. So it's just a case of like I said, knowing your position and then doing your job well is is the key. Yeah, uh, I, 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 yeah, the whole thing is just so interesting that kind of you, you have all this experience as we talk about, and now you're riding in a world tour team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, yeah, how, how was it like getting this very? Because your calendar this year has been quite, uh, I would not mismatch, but you, you've done a whole variety of races. We spoke about the Ardennes. Uh, Basque Country as well, great race that, and uh, also you did a co- few cobble uh, one day races as well. Yeah, 
that's quite a tough introduction to world tour life, it seems. Yeah, that so that definitely wasn't the plan. Um, if you looked at my original calendar in uh, sort of January compared to what I've done, it's it's extremely, extremely different. Partly because we've had so many injuries this year and, and, and guys with various problems, but also because I think the team has sort of realised that I'm potentially a bit ahead of where they thought I would be. Um, so early on in my career with, with, with UAE. So I certainly had more and more challenges, more and more tests, um, and there's been more and more after those. So I think that's a good sign that the team is happy. Um, but also I think they're just sort of testing waters to see sort of what I can do, where my limits are, where I can be helpful. Um, but also I think I'm the sort of guy that you can put me in any race, whether it be a couple classic and Ardennes, classic or whatever and I've always got a job that I can always help so there's sort of nothing I I can't do as such um with with what my role is in the team so I think the team likes that particularly these days with racing it's, it's so intense like I said there's so many crashes and lots of guys getting injured and guys are so lean now that you know if you have a crash at 60 50 60 can hours it's unlikely you're gonna just jump straight back on the bike so yeah, there's a lot more of that going on. So the calendar's sort of changing up a lot and there's yeah, a few yeah, issues to deal with there. But um yeah, it's nice to be, I guess, Mr. Consistent, Mr. Reliable on the team, which I think is how the team sees me. I think it was in the twenty twenty one after the Omi OP that was this cage fighting or cycling based yeah. on the number of crashes and fight for position. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely getting, I think, a lot of me obviously professional in the world tour, but from what I know, from what I've seen and sort of my experience at other levels is that it's definitely, yeah, getting a lot worse, um, a lot more pressure, a lot more guys fighting for that, those last sort of two inches uh, type things. So, yeah, I think something's got to give eventually, you know, when you've got 170 guys all with radios, the directors all telling the same thing, you don't need to be first into this corner. When you've got a road that's three metres wide and you've got 170 guys trying to be first through there, um, it's, a, it's a recipe for disaster. So I think, yeah, definitely the the radios and the amount of information we've got these days um, kind of adds to that because everyone gets fed the same stuff and the directors know every single small section of cobbles, whether it be 50 metres or every small town or whenever there's a bit of a, a bend in the road or a chicane or something and, and yeah, they... They feel that information to the riders, and the riders do their best to try and act on directors' information. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is uh, at the end of the day, but um, certainly makes for exciting racing. What is kind of the race that you want to race? Like looking with UAE team moments and hopefully further past the season as well. Is there any race? Uh, I mean, Tour de France is probably the big one. But uh, is there any race that you kind of thought, yeah, I kind of want to do that, or like is a Grand Tour or something like that, something you really want to do? Yeah, I think it'll be really cool to do a, a Grand Tour uh, sort of sooner rather than later. Um, ideally, I think the Vuelta will be quite quite cool um, because it doesn't have the stress of the Tour and it's got much better weather than the Giro. So um, that'll be really, really nice, particularly with guys like Juan Ayuso that we have that's such a big talent. Um, it's always nice to go into a race as a helper, knowing you've got a guy or multiple guys that can, that can really win the races. Um, 
And that's what we have with UAE. We've always got someone that can win. We're always riding for a purpose. Um, and it makes my job a lot easier. But um, certainly I think Grand Tours is where I think my strengths would be. I would tend to be a guy that gets better the more I, the more I ride. Um, and that hard day after day stuff tends to really suit me. Um, and also, like I said, with, with more crashes and, and more issues and races these days, you need guys that can, that can keep leaders out of trouble, I think, more and more. Um, you really need your team these days. So, yeah, I think I can add a lot of value there. But um, at the moment, it's it's not on the cards for the season. But, yeah, you never know what can happen based on how the season's gone. Yeah, you never know. So, But otherwise, it'd be nice for the next sort of year or two to, to, to take one of those off. And uh, finally, uh, since you've been growing up in New Zealand, and uh, there's so many New Zealand cyclists as well, but who was kind of your hero growing up? In terms of when when I've spoken to the Danish guys, it's always like the Reese or Diana Reese team, but it's not like in New Zealand you have a Diana Reese with a Saxobank CSC team. So kind of what was your inspiration when you were growing up? Yeah, like and I guess first to add to that is that um we didn't because of the times in New Zealand we didn't we oh, watch the the tours the Grand Tours and things sort of live. It's sort of at one in the morning or something like that, so we don't often get to actually watch bike races. It's all it's all things you see through you know advertising and through news outlets and that sort of stuff. So I guess the guy that I probably looked up to the most would be someone like Fabian Cancellara. He was sort of my era. Um, I think the first tour I watched was the one that Alberto Contador won. So yeah, with Contador and Cancellara and and the CSC Saxo Bank, I had the Savello bike the same as as Fabian when I was sort of sort of starting. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, those guys. But in saying that, there's definitely been some some real top class New Zealand pros over the years with the likes of Hayden Ralston, Greg Emerson, Julian Dean. There's sort of been a few guys that have sort of forged their way over here in Europe, and it's. Yeah, it's sort of sort of now at the, the point where I appreciate what those guys have done and what they've been through, um, and how hard it is. Particularly back then, like it's a lot easier now. There's a lot more Kiwis around, a lot more people that, that speak English and and all that. But I know certainly when I first moved to Europe or came to Europe probably ten years ago, the landscape was quite different. So I can imagine for those guys, you know, twenty years ago. Moving over here would have been um would have been super super tough. So yeah, it's nice to sort of. I suppose come full circle with that and from where I came from where I started 10 years ago to where I am now um, and also to know that I'm now the, one of the Hayden Rolfsons or the Greek Henderson Julian Deans of the New Zealand cycling world it's that's pretty cool to know that they're sort of had that influence and you know that that status within cycling in New Zealand because it's a bit of a fragile sport at the moment back home because of you know funding and it's hard to run races with road closures and things and and yeah, so it's it's nice to be in a position now where I can actually, you know, have a, a strong voice that can that can that can help cycling uh, in New Zealand. I mean, that was such a great place to end. But uh, I have one final mini question: Do you, do all the New Zealand pros have a, a WhatsApp group? Um, no, we don't actually. Um, but we do have one for uh, the World Championships. Um, that we've just started. So it's actually, it's the first time we've sort of seen a list of all uh, the Kiwi pros all together. Um, and yeah, it's, it's amazing sort of how many of us there are, but also the, the, the different ways that everyone has got into the positions that they're in. It's not, 
everyone's going through the same development team that sort of, you know, brought them into the pro level. Some guys have gone through tracks, some guys have gone through, you know, small French teams, or some guys have gone through the bigger development teams. And there's just a complete different variety of pathways that, that, that New Zealand riders have taken to get to, to the world tour. So it's cool to see that diversity and to know that there is, yeah, many different ways to, to make it. So, and obviously with me, with my wish, it adds another level to that as well. So, yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, thank you very much for being to you as well, Michael. It's been thoroughly enjoyable uh, listening to your amazing journey. I, I really mean amazing here, uh, kind of using my wish, as we said, and uh, now writing for one of the biggest teams, if not the biggest teams in the world. So I uh, wish you all the best of luck. And of course, if you want to follow more about Michael, you can check out his Instagram and Twitter and all that will be in the description down below. But uh, hopefully see you again at some point. And uh, yeah, all the best for the season. Yeah, great. Thanks for your time. It's nice chatting.